1: Pittsburgh steeler fans it is time once again to take a journey into that black and gold delorean and go into yesteryear what we are talking about it's the steelers retro show my name is brian anthony davis alongside me is tony defio and we are going to check out a pittsburgh steeler game from this time around not too long ago this is probably one of the latest and one of the quickest journeys we're going to have back into time. It's going to be a time when paranormal activity was number one at the box office. And the number one song was by Jay Sean and Lil Wayne. It was called Down. But if you're a Yinzer, this song was called Dan. And one of my favorite Yinzers is one Tony Defio, and he is my partner alongside with me on this trip back to October 25th, 2009. Tony, what's up, my man?
2: Good to be with you, Brian. And speaking of being a yinzer, I probably, I'm probably wearing a shirt that I wore in 2009. That's how recent this game is. <laughs> I, I can't wait to go back, back down the wormhole, but not very far. Is that a yinzer thing, wearing the same shirt? Well, it's definitely a a me thing. I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure whatever variation of Yinzer in other cities, I'm sure they they keep their clothes a really long time.
1: (laughs) That's absolutely awesome. I know I keep my clothes because
2: they don't go out of style because the Steelers won't
1: change the uh, numbers and they don't change the jerseys way too often. I kind of wish the Steelers were like Penn State and didn't have the names on the back of the jerseys. That would make my life so much easier. But, you know, when I'm in a jersey most of my life, it doesn't matter. I'm wearing black and gold, so I don't care.
2: The logo, that's, that's the big part. The logo and the, and the, the colors, that's, those are the most important things. You can take the boy out of the hypocycloids, but you can't take the hypocycloids out of the boy, Tony. Amen to that.
1: Amen. So this is a really interesting game, Tony. This is Brett Favre, and he's not a Green Bay Packer. Brett Favre had his first ever victory against the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1992, and this was 17 years later, and he was still trucking. The Steelers never had a whole bunch of success, maybe beat Favre a couple times in those years, but against Brett Favre this time around, it was after the Steelers won their championship, their last championship, Super Bowl 43, and they started off the season very well. Where did they start off, Tony? They
2: started off 6-2. and two. 6-2. They were 1-2 and to start the year. It was a kind of a bad start to the season, a couple of fluky losses. And then they, they righted the ship, and it looked like it was going to be another Super Bowl kind of run. And they, the first half of the year certainly reflected that. Well, we will see
1: what happens in this game, but a very crucial game to be at home to take on a team that is just as good as you are. This is a very good team as well. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, they went to the NFC Championship game that year. I think they went into overtime against the New Orleans Saints and did not get to go to the Super Bowl. But this was a very good team, and Brett Favre still had a lot going for him. So let's get into this game. Percy Harvin, remember this guy? He accepted the opening kickoff and ran it out to the Minnesota 28 for Brett Favre to start his 298th NFL contest and his first appearance opposite Big Ben. Ben was in the league for a number of years at that point they were not able to face off against one another. Farb came out firing for eight yards to Sidney Rice, but a James Harrison tackle for a loss of the one and only Adrian Peterson, the great Adrian Peterson at that time on second down and a pass breakup by Troy Polamalu on Harvin to force a punt from Chris Cluey right away. The punt only sailed 35 yards and Stephon Logan returned it for five to set up the Steelers offense at the 26. Stephon Logan's a guy that a lot of people don't remember. He came from the British Columbia Lions of the Canadian Football League, but he has one of the best seasons, single seasons, as a kickoff returner as far as yards per return in Pittsburgh Steelers history. He ranks among one of the best for that just one season in black and gold, Tony. How well do you remember number 11, Stephon Logan?
2: I remember quite fondly. I remember he was a a sensation of that 09 preseason. He was, you know, when you're coming off a Super Bowl championship, it's hard to get people excited. But this guy came out of nowhere. As you said, he was from the CFL and and he returned one or two for a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken, during that preseason. So, yeah, he was he was a sensation.
1: Rashard Mendenhall moved the chains right away. He was having a sensational year as well, because remember his rookie season was cut short because of a bounty gate type of thing that never really was it never it it came out but they didn't really label it bounty gate it's what happened when Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs put a bounty on him for him bragging to a former Illinois teammate that they were gonna of all things beat the Ravens on Monday Night Football so that's a bad offense you can't do that Um, imagine that imagine wanting to win a game Yeah, how horrible is that to have pride in your new team with one of your old teammates? He had a 14-yard sweep to start things out, but Ben Lieber sacked Ben Roethlisberger for a loss of eight and a short pass to Heath Miller and an incompletion to Santaniel Holmes brought Daniel Sepulveda on to punt. It looked like the Steelers would catch a break and score on a turnover when Joe Burnett picked up a loose ball and ran it all the way into the end zone. And Joe was a rookie that season as well. But the return man fumbled after he was down by contact. No touchdown, but the Steelers still were able to have the ball. Favre was sacked by James Ferrier to start the Vikings second series. A three and out and a 36-yard punt was the result. Ben couldn't get the black and gold going, and Dan Sepulveda came on to punt once again Favre was sacked by James Ferrier to start the Vikings' second series. three and out, and a 36-yard punt was the result. Ben could not get the black and gold going, and here comes Baylor's own Dan Sepulveda once again on the punt. He punted the ball back to Minnesota, and Favre and the Vikings finally got a first down on a pass to the previously mentioned Percy Harvin. But the Steelers continued to bottle up Peterson, and that's a hard thing to do, Tony. And Chester Taylor as well, And a sack of Favre by Harrison for six yards, brought Cluey on again for only a 19-yard punt. 19-yard punt. You got to do something with that.
2: Yeah, it certainly gave them prime field position at the Minnesota 39. So uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do on this drive.
1: The Steelers would finally get some semblance of points on the following drive. So yeah, they did, Tony. On a third and seven, Roethlisberger located Mike Wallace for a 10-yard gain. Then Brad Childress, the guy who looked like Mr. Noodle from Sesame Street, (laughs) he would throw the red flag, and to no avail, the play stood. To follow, Wallace moved the chains again, this time on a reverse. He was dual threat, Tony, man. He was really good. On third and fourth of like seven, the black and gold number seven laced one to Holmes. It was once again, Ben to 10 who raced into the end zone, but Heath Miller was nailed for a questionable holding penalty and the score was negated to follow Jimmy Kennedy sacked Ben and the Steelers had to settle for a 39 yard Jeff Reed field goal for a three, nothing lead with nine seconds left in the first. All right. How questionable was the penalty? You know, I know I'm a homer. I get it, but it just didn't look to be much of anything.
2: I know I I might sound like a homer too, but it seemed pretty iffy. It's a shame too, because it it was a great throw by Ben and call back to the Super Bowl, the heroics in that game. Yeah, it's a shame because they could have gone up 7 nothing over a very good Vikings team and they had to set up for three, but I thought it was pretty iffy.
1: Adrian Peterson opened the next drive with a 15-yard draw after going negative one in the first quarter. But the Steelers stiffening defense forced yet another three and out. Man, you have some firepower there. You've got Percy Harvin. Sydney Rice you've got Brett Favre throwing the ball and you've got Adrian Peterson and they're just not moving the chains whatsoever Tony it's how good this defense was back then
2: it certainly was and, and they had some trouble you know throughout the year obviously overall it was a good year for the defense they, they certainly had a lot of talent a lot of firepower and they were making life miserable for AP and and, and Favre and and Harvard and all those guys
1: The passing game could not get near the sticks on the next series as Ben failed to connect with Heinz Ward on a third down play with Sepulveda punting again, the Vikes would start off at their own 24 looking to erase that goose egg on the scoreboard. So Favre and Peterson would come alive on the Vikings fifth possession. Now the NFL's leading rusher would rack up 16 yards on four carries while number four, still have trouble saying Brett Favre and seeing him in a white and purple and gold uniform Tony that's really weird to me
2: oh me too he's one of my all-time favorite players and and seeing him go from the Jets and then to the Vikings it was really weird even for me as a Steeler fan and and, and you're right it's it's, I often forget that he finished all his career with the Vikings if you like anti-authority guys Brett Favre's your guy number four number four like
1: I said he would complete five passes to four different receivers Sydney Rice, Harvin, the tight end, Vasante Shanko, and Bernard Berrien, who's a speedster. Man, I pronounce Vasante Shanko. I'm really proud of myself. With a 28-yarder to Harvin being the longest on the drive, Minnesota faced a third and goal on the two. And Peterson blasted in for his eighth touchdown of the season with 5.05 left before intermission, Tony. The visiting Vikings held a 7-3 advantage over the men of steel.
2: Yeah, it was uh, it had to be kind of deflating at that moment because, you know, you could have been up 7 nothing and, and at worst, you're, you're looking at a 7-7 seven, seven tie. So uh, to, to be in control of this game for most of the first half and then be down 7-3, to three, uh, it, it wasn't feeling pretty good for me at that point. I was nervous, too, and because this was a tough NFC team. It didn't matter that you were at home. This
1: was a tough squad. Despite completing a 7-yard toss to Heath Miller, Big Ben in the offense could not advance down the field in three plays and a punting situation followed Q Daniel Sepulveda mm-hmm. again, the men in white trimmed in gold and purple came back and with visions of extending their lead, it looked promising as Shanko caught one for a first down, but a false start by the tight end set Minnesota back in a 10 yard run by Chester Taylor was not sufficient enough to move the chains And the Steelers called their first time out. So the Steelers got a chance here, Tony. Are they going to do anything with it? We shall see. With 149 left in the first half, the Steelers were backed up all the way at their own nine. But Ben got moving right away with a 15-yard screen to Santonio. On a pass to Mike Wallace, Roethlisberger was nearly picked off. But luckily, the ball dropped to the turf. With new life, Miller took a throw nine. And Meweldy Moore got the Steelers a new set of downs on a six-yard scamper with 49 ticks of the clock left. Ben went to his speedster, Mike Wallace, and man, that connection was always really good. First, he hit number 17 for 22, then a 40-yard strike to a somersaulting rookie for the score. It was 91 yards in a mere one minute and seven seconds. At halftime, the hometown Steelers led 10-7, to 7, 67 seconds. Steelers were had to go 91. Man, that's a way that you can go into the locker room, Tony, feeling yourself. That's a way for you to say, all right, we stopped you most of the time. Then we fell flat. We should have gotten in the end zone for a touchdown. We didn't the first time around. This should be a different game. But you come back there before the half. You're making a statement. How bold of a statement was that, Tony?
2: This was a huge momentum shift and it actually shocked me. You know, it was only 12 years since I watched this game the last time, but I was I forgot all about this touchdown and to be down at the 9-yard line with less than 2 minutes to go in the half and to quickly, really quickly and decisively march down the field for a touchdown there from Ben to Wallace to retake the lead. That was huge going into halftime it absolutely was so we are going to see what's going to happen to our black and gold
1: clad men of steel and those visiting minnesota vikings and their coach mr noodle and his wacky mustache (laughs) right after this on the steelers retro show we will be right back Welcome back to the Steelers Retro Show. I am Brian Anthony Davis. He is Tony
2: Julius Defio. Man, I'm beating that like a dead horse, aren't I? Anthony Julius Defio, Tony Julius. I'll I'll take it. It it has a good ring to it now. I haven't really used that middle name most of my life, but maybe it's going to be my new thing. Maybe it'll be my signature. So I like it. That said, hey, look down the street. You better watch out. Tony Joles is coming. Exactly.
1: You don't mess with Tony Joles in that. You don't. Especially on the internet. (laughs) A lot of people don't realize, Tony, you're a lot nicer on
2: the mic than you are on the keyboard. Exactly. I'm not even that. I mean, it's all sports. I mean, it's not like I'm like, count <laughs> anybody like you're doing your mama jokes. It's just all sports. You know, it's like, people really get, people take sports too seriously, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm a lot nicer on the mic. Maybe I'll work on that and perfect my snarky persona on the mic too. We'll see. We'll see. It's still early. You know what?
1: I think your articles are the absolute best. And that's one of the reasons that attracted me to wanting to do a show with you. So you don't change, Tony Deffio. And just like MC Hammer would say, I'm going to adapt his lyrics. He's dope on the keyboard and he's magic on the mic.
2: Wow. Wow, You you are the man. I'm going to hire you as my agent PR guy if I ever become big. I'm telling you. <laughs> i i am telling you you're in my posse you're gonna be in my posse no matter what
1: man i i want to be like an entourage i want to be like e for you tony i <laughs> i'd want to be at least your consigliere
2: and, and if you become big just think and remember me that's all that's all i'm oh, saying dude.
1: too i've got a lottery list tony and if i ever win the lottery i gotta play the lottery but you are firmly on the lottery list because you're my buddy if i win the
2: lottery i gotta have fun and i'm gonna take people with me right Exactly. I could be one of the people to bring you down at the end. You'll be on uh, one of those uh, vice shows. (laughs) We talked about Hammer
1: before. Hammer brought so many people from the neighborhood into his stage shows and into his entourage. And a guy would be standing there on the stage with his arms folded. And they're like, what are you doing? They're like, Hammer told me to fold my arms and stand here. And that's what I'm doing. they they paid him well now when hammer went broke from doing all that all those people were like screw you hammer i'm out here that's right
2: (laughs) they used the poor guy like crazy they weren't too legit to quit then right oh yeah no yeah they quit
1: (laughs) Too legit to quit all right this show's going off the rails in a fun fun way let's get back to the steelers as they came out of the locker room with a first down 10 to 7 at this point to start the third quarter. They started out at the 26 and started moving the ball on the ground. So the second-year man, Richard Mendenhall, ran for 16 and then nine, while Mike Wallace tore off a run of six with 15 yards added on after a face mask penalty. With a ball to Minnesota, something yard line, Tony. <laughs> I don't have it right here. Okay, In Minnesota territory, Ben converted a third and one at the eight with a personal foul on Benny Sapp, tacked on not. I don't remember
2: Benny Sapp was he Warren's little brother or something he was certainly acting like that on this play because you know Warren headed off for the Steelers I don't know what he was thinking on his play when he uh, dove out of bounds and, and committed that personal foul that was kind of a stupid play from the eight
1: the drive stalled after a sack and an incompletion to Ward and Holmes but Jeff Reed old skippy your boy skippy tony he salvaged the points by connecting on a 27 yard field goal the steelers led 13 to 7 with 11:09 remaining in the third tony this is twice now that they should have been in for touchdowns and they stalled they had to settle for jeff reed points what are you making of this
2: could they just not convert Can they not finish Uh, Yeah, it certainly seemed like that early on. I mean, you know, I know the Steelers defense was pretty legendary back in those days, but you got to take advantage of these red zone opportunities. And that's, as you said, it's twice now that they had to set up for three instead of seven. And that ultimately uh, often comes back to bite you in the NFL. It indeed does.
1: Nearly seven minutes later, the Vikings rode Favre's arm down the field with completions to Rice, Harvin, Lewis, Johnson, and... Nufoku Tahi facing a fourth and one at the Steelers 35. Brad Childress' team gambled and won for the time being. The Hall of Fame quarterback threw over the middle to Sidney Rice for a gain of 34. Palomalu caught him from behind to save the touchdown. Thank goodness for Troy 43, or he would have been right into the end zone. But they're looking now at a first and goal at the one yard line. But the Steelers had a tough defense, and they needed a step up. On first down, Peterson was stuffed up the middle by Kieran Fox and Potsy, James Farrier. Favre's second down pass to Rice was too high. On third and goal, Brett threw to Jim Kleinsasser, and it was incomplete after being well-covered by Farrier. Instead of being victims of a goal-line stand, Ryan Longwell came on for an 18-yard field goal. The score was now to Steelers. The Steelers were on the move again after 22 yards on two carries by Mendenhall as the fourth quarter arrived. On a third and five from the Steelers' 46, Santonio took a short pass from Big Ben and pinballed for 45 yards all the way down to the Vikings' nine. That was a thing of beauty, wasn't it, Tony?
2: It certainly was. I think a lot of people forget how, how great a talent Santonio Holmes really was. and He was really a special talent. And it's a shame that things kind of didn't work out for him as far as going on to have a legendary career, but he was really special for them during this era, and it showed on this play. To follow Mendenhall, who was having a great drive, burst through the trenches
1: toward the end zone before getting walloped by Pat Williams. Mendy coughed the ball up, and Madhu Williams recovered the football at the three. Big break for Minnesota. Looking to take the lead, the Vikings would embark on a long drive of their own, aided by runs by Peterson and Harvin. Favre passes to Rice for 23, Shanko for six, and Greg Lewis for 13, set up Minnesota as they were approaching midfield. Timmins would walk off hobbled, and Favre would get up limping as well. Man, things are falling apart here. A long pass to Rice for 35 was nullified because of a Bryant-McKinney hold. A few plays later, Rice was rolled out of bounds after being blasted by Palomalu during a 25-yard pass play. Big break there. But the red flag came out and the call was overturned. Not a big break there. The Vikings were cruising with a first down at the 46. After a run of 19 by AP and a pass to number 28 for 11, Favre had his team at the 10-yard line to follow Favre dialed up Rice again for a touchdown. But Jeff Dugan was nailed for tripping, and the TD was erased. Favre passes to Shanko and Tahi, had the Norsemen looking good at the Pittsburgh eight-yard line. But Brett met Brett, <laughs> and it was bad for the Vikings. We know about Brett Favre, but what Brett am I talking about,
2: Tony? You're talking about the beard, Brett Kiesel, and he he stripped Farber of the football and and Woodley picked it up and he was off to the races, 77 yards. Heinz Field was a rockin'.
1: That crowd was celebrating a 2010 lead with 642 remaining in the contest, 20 to 10 once again. Big deal, Tony.
2: It was huge. And I remember, I was, for some reason, I was watching the game over my mom's. I don't know. I can't remember why. I was by myself. And I was just jumping up and down. And, and, and as you said, 642 left. I thought, you know, they survived a, a great drive by the Vikings. 14-point swing because they scored a touchdown that was wiped out by a penalty. And then Pittsburgh came back and scored a defensive touchdown. Game over. That's what I was thinking at that point. 20-10, game over.
1: Here's the thing, though, Tony. The 6-0 and 0 Vikings were undefeated for a reason. And they would not go quietly into the Pittsburgh night or into the Pittsburgh twilight, maybe because it was still the afternoon. Percy Harvin took Jeff Reed's kickoff all the way to the house for an 88 yard score. Harvin, he made Reed look silly on the run as well. I mean, Reed (laughs) tried to tackle him. It, It was really bad. He was all over the place. The difference was three again in an instant and also to make matters worse, an official was hurt on the play as well. Were you concerned more about the official or how bad Jeff Reed was made to look on this play, Tony?
2: It was, it was a little of both. When I, when I saw the, the official get knocked to the ground, it looked really bad. As far as uh, Jeff Reed, the effort, I mean, they even said it on during the uh, broadcast. He should have steered him inside, and it was just a horrible effort. He let, he let him go to the outside, and that was it. The main thing I was feeling at this point was numb. Because I'm again like as I said earlier, I was thinking the game's over. And just like that, the three point deficit again, with still over six minutes left in the game. And you've got a gunslinger like Brett Favre. And he was a king of the comeback
1: back then as well. But let's get back to the game. The Steelers were looking to counter, but after a first down, they could not. Ben was sacked, the ball was knocked loose, they recovered. Sepulveda's punt sailed only 43 yards. And Minnesota had the ball and 321 to either tie or take the lead. You talked about a sinking feeling, Tony. I had it too. You knew what was going to happen here. It's Brett Favre. Here we go. Favre and the Vikings quickly got busy when a 29-yard screen to Peterson and a 7 yard pass to Taylor got them in motion. The Vikings were in business at this point. The Vikings could have gotten it all in one shot when Ike Taylor had great coverage on a long pass to Rice. The Saints got all the way down to the Steelers' 19. In a range to tie it, Favre and company were looking for the win. When disaster struck, Tony. Favre screened a Chester Taylor, bounced off the running back's hands, and into the grasp of Kieran Fox, number 57. And what did K Fox do at this point, Tony?
2: He took that ball and he, and he raced 82 yards for a touchdown. He was, he was assisted by his uh, teammates, like, like on the uh, Woodley play uh, nice escort all the way down the field. And this time the game was definitely over. It's ironic that Chester Taylor, the the ball went off his hands because he was replacing Adrian Peterson, who had just made a great play. It was like one of the most famous plays in my opinion, in AP's career, Adrian Peterson's career when he trucked Willie Gay and picked up a big, a big chunk of, of yardage player two earlier. So What a momentum shift and what a way to put the dagger in the heart of the Vikings. And Fox was in the game because Timmons was hurt. So that's another ironic part about this play.
1: And remember, Karen Fox was a guy that was very valuable as a depth piece. And we talk about depth pieces now, today, how important they are to have. But Kay Fox was really good for that team. He made a lot of things happen. His first career interception here, and it was a big one for a 27-17 lead. Minnesota, well, they would try to get in the end zone, but Deshay Townsend had great coverage on Harvin and Harrison. Well, he finished off Favre with a sack as time would expire. Two defensive TDs for the Steelers proved to be the difference.
2: It was a very satisfying game, Tony. It certainly was. I forgot what kind of a defensive struggle this game really was. I guess... With two defensive touchdowns, uh, it should have been. But when you see 27-17, you don't really think of defense. But this was a really, this was a defensive classic by two teams. And they only scored two offensive touchdowns in the entire game. Am I right? Is that the? Is that right? Yeah, they had two defensive touchdowns by the Steelers. And they kickoff return by the Vikings. It, it was really an entertaining game, despite the fact that the offenses weren't exactly killing it this game.
1: And, you know, the offenses were shooting themselves in the foot. Both got into the end zone and both had touchdowns nullified as well. So that's a thing to bring up. You know, this was the high point for the 2009 season. As later on in that season, Mike Tomlin tried to unleash hell. That five game losing streak really killed them that season. The end of the season got better with the shootout against the Green Bay Packers. We talked about that a probably a couple months back on the retro show. That was a really fun game from 2009. 2009 was a season where they missed the playoffs, but They still did not have a losing season under Mike Tomlin. They still do not today, but this was a season, Tony, that even though they did nothing with it, with the momentum that they had by beating an undefeated team in the Vikings here, this was the season that set up the 2010 AFC championship season and a visit with the green Bay Packers in the super bowl in Dallas, even though that ended in a loss, that was still a pretty good year as well. Tony.
2: 2009 campaign is a great example that sometimes a good team can just go off the rails and not really recover until it's too late. But that doesn't mean it's not a good team. It just means that they had a bad spell. They missed the playoffs. But as you said, this is the team that went to the Super Bowl the following year. So I think it's a good lesson that sometimes even even really good teams can go into a slump and, and not really recover. Yes, it was. That's a good point. One of the great out-of-conference games, and
1: I got to tell you, I remember this one well. And you know, there's a satisfaction in beating the Hall of Famer Brett Favre in this game as well. So Brett takes on Ben. Ben wins this one. Very satisfying, just like a Snickers bar. So Tony, with that being said, thanks for going back in the DeLorean. We didn't have to go too far for this one. We didn't have to spend our cosmic toll money too much with our easy pass.
2: That's right. I actually can remember how I felt. That's how recent it was. But yeah, it was a fun game. And and, you know, you got to see Brett Favre, the, the people at Heinz Field got to see Brett Favre in the twilight of his career, and he was still pretty effective. And as you said, took him to the Super Bowl that year, the Vikings, and he just he just missed in overtime. But, yeah, it was a really special midseason game between two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Indeed it was. For Tony, my name
1: is Brian Anthony Davis from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We ask you to be safe, be true to yourself, and always be behind the steel curtain and... You could take us away. We don't mind. But you better promise us we'll be back
2: in time. (laughs)
0: Plus.